Welcome to Eagle's Nest Forum with Dr. Beecher Moorfield, an internationally known expert on biblically-based leadership and minister-to-ministers who will share thoughts from the Word of God on successful living. Now, let's join Dr. Moorfield for today's message. Yeah, as I started to say, if you list the gifts of the Spirit, list beside it the fruit of the Spirit. The, the gift of the Spirit that is directly across from the fruit of the Spirit is that gift that Holy Spirit will manifest in order to preserve the fruit that is there. Yeah. Second, the second fruit of the Spirit is joy, the word of knowledge. See, as long as I know I can have joy. But before God will allow my joy to be destroyed, he'll bring me a word of knowledge to confirm and to anchor that joy. The, fir- the third fruit is what? Peace. What's the third gift? Faith. As long as I have faith, uh, is the, 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 uh, the gift is, is faith. As long, uh, and if I have peace before God will allow my uh, my, my peace, the fruit of peace, to be destroyed if I'm producing it. Before God will allow that to be destroyed, He will bring or manifest in my life somehow the gift of faith in order to sustain peace. Am I making sense? It follows, it follows true all the way down to the gift of working of miracles. When's, when's the working of miracles come in? Which one is it? Huh? Yeah, gentleness. How many, how many, in the natural sense of the word, people who work miracles become haughty. If a person could work a miracle at his own choosing, he would become arrogant. So, but God does not use the gift of the working of miracles to confirm arrogance. He can, uses it to confirm gentleness. I don't have to get I don't have to get haughty or ugly as long as I am producing the fruit of gentleness. If before the before God will allow the gentleness that my spirit man is producing to be overcome and destroyed, he will produce in me a a gift of the working or for me a gift of the working of miracles. Did you notice what's what's this? If you study this, we're talking about Israel a moment ago and and Moses leading them out. Did you notice that uh, in your study? And if you haven't, you can. Look at look what happened when Moses first brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were thrilled to follow him. There was all kinds of joy there, of course, but they were following him like sheep. To the slaughter, if you might say. But they were gentle. I mean, they were all healed and whole and happy and sound. I mean, everything, all this had taken place. And they were loving one another and enjoying what they had. But they were gentle, but they got to the Red Sea. And the enemy is behind them. And what did the people begin to do? Murmur and complain. Before God will allow their gentleness 
to be brought to naught. He exercised by the Spirit of God. Holy Ghost exercised his prerogative to bring a gift to the Spirit called the working of miracles so that the people could cross the Red Sea. And when they came out the other side, what did the, what the Pharaoh's army do? They tried to cross too, right? And in the midst of it, Israel's already out on the other side. In the midst of it, what ha- while Pharaoh's army's in the middle, what happens? It fall, crush, or even it could be just it fell and crushed, but Pharaoh's army was destroyed in the Red Sea. Okay? What did the people do on the other side? They rejoiced. They praised. But they weren't, they, 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 they weren't hostile. They weren't ugly. The fruit of gentleness had been preserved. Just a thought. We, we of course, we're we're going to move move on. Uh, another thought, and and uh, forgive me for taking some time to do these things, but I think sometimes it's it's good to, uh, in in serving a good meal, sometimes it's good to have some good appetizers. Okay. I've, I've <laughs> I try to serve a good meal when I preach and teach the Word of God. But think, think, think of, I've been thinking of this for, for a number of days. In, uh, in Mark 13, 10, um, praise the Lord, this, this is good stuff. In Mark 13, 10, listen, and the gospel, Jesus is speaking, he said the gospel must first be published among all the nations. Then, in Acts 13.49, it says, And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. You see that? The word published? What's it it mean to publish something? I've been been thinking about this for, for a few weeks now. Been, been a kind of a personal quest of mine. Uh, it means to to speak, to preach, to proclaim, to teach, to prophesy. Not just prophesying with words, but to prophesy on the musical instrument. Because prophecy edifies, exhorts, and comforts the body of Christ, no matter how it comes. True prophecy. Uh, how about how about writing? All right, so we're talking about all these methods of publishing the gospel. Well, Jesus said the gospel must be published in all nations. And then in Acts 13, 14, now we read that in that region, at least, the gospel was published in that region. So I've, I've begun altering my prayer somewhat. Instead of just asking God to open doors of ministry, I've asked God to open doors of ministry where the gospel may be published. I've gotten very specific in that. Uh, there are there are things that can happen in your life as you are walking in a place that's pleasing to God that cannot happen otherwise. Uh, I, I hope that made sense. Uh, when when Jesus had had um, 
told his disciples to get into the ship. Now, this is not when he was asleep in the back of the boat. He told his disciples to get in the ship and go to the other side. And then he sent, he sent the multitudes away. What did Jesus do then? The Bible says he went up into the mountain alone to pray. Now, then the disciples, what were they supposed to do? Go to the other side. But in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, about two and a half miles from shore, and that's a pretty long swim, but in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a storm arose. And they weren't making any headway. They were just trapped in that storm. No matter how hard they labored and toiled, they weren't getting anywhere. Big storm like that, you can't run with sails. It'll tip the boat over and you've got to run with oars and whatever else you have to try to get the, get the boat through. They weren't going anywhere. So in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus did what? Came walking to them on the water. Now, when, he, when they saw him, they thought he was a spook. Yeah, the Bible says they thought he was a ghost or a spirit. You know, the same word, ghost. And so they cried out with fear. And, and, and Peter had enough sense to cry out, Lord, if it's you. Well, first of all, when they cried out in fear, he cried out back to them, don't, don't be afraid, it is I. Right? Now think about this. They are in a storm. The wind is strong. The waves are high. The, the wind is blowing uh, spray everywhere. It's dark. There's no moon. There's no stars. You, you see all this taking place. And uh, let me get back on this one. Yes, still okay. But all that's taking place. And they cannot see him clearly. So he is some distance from the boat. Are you with me? And he said, don't fear, it's I. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, what? Bid me come to you. And, and Jesus uh, uh, preached one of his longest sermons in history that night, right? And I said one word, come. And on the power of one word, come. Peter got down out of the boat and walked to Jesus on the water. <laughs> Every time I read that, that just that, that's something to think about. He walked to Jesus on the water. And he, he as long as he had his focus on Jesus, he was walking on the water. But now, you, we know the story, don't we? And then when, when Peter got his eyes off Jesus, he saw the storm and boisterous, and he began to sink and he cried out, Master, save me. And Jesus was, he was close enough to Jesus at that point to reach out and take him by the hand. Now, there's much to teach about here. Let, let me just make this one point. Guard yourself when you're really close to Jesus because that's the time you may feel confident enough to get your eyes off of him. Okay? When, when you know you're safest is when you'll make sometimes your biggest mistake. But anyway, Peter cried out, Jesus saved him, and walked back to the boat with him. My question is this. Would they have seen that miracle of Jesus walking on the water? Would Peter have been engaged in that miracle, walking on the water himself, going back to the boat with Jesus, if they had not obeyed what he said? No. No. Hallelujah. Just a thought there. That, that happened to come to mind. 
Miracles, again, don't just happen. Uh, the, the, how can I put this? I, I believe with all that is in me, according to the scriptures, that if we are walking in obedience to the word of God, and we get to a point where we can go no further, expect a miracle. I'm talking, expect it. Because if you're doing what God said, and you get to the place where you cannot go any further, and you don't give up, you continue to strive, expect a miracle. If you have not yet gone as far as you can go, keep going. And whatever you do, don't quit. Don't quit. When you get tired, you may have to rest a little bit, but don't quit. You may have to bail water in shifts, but don't quit. You may have to row in shifts, but don't quit. Never quit. Because if you ever come to that place where you can go no further in what God has told you to do, expect a miracle. A real, verifiable New Testament miracle of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. But in the publishing of the Word, we have to be diligent. So again, uh, I think it would behoove every believer. To correspond with Dr. Moorfield, you may contact him on his website at eaglesnestforum.com or join him on Facebook at facebook.com slash Eagles Nest Forum. And be sure to subscribe to the Eagles Nest Forum YouTube page at youtube.com slash at sign Eagles Nest Forum. Join us again next time for another inspiring message by Dr. Beecher Morfield.